Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. I felt the Lord give me a really strong burden to preach a message about plowing. And the title of the message is Principles of Plowing. Principles of Plowing. And here is the person that this message is for. Father, the Lord really gave me two types of people. The first person that this message is really for is the person who's in the midst of a tough season of plowing and they're this close to quitting. The other person is somebody who's standing on the edge of a new field. They know God is asking them to plow, but they can see how intimidating it is and they're not sure they really want to. Okay, there is actually a third person this message is for. Anybody who's not in a season of plowing that has any friends or family whatsoever because at least one of your friends or family is in a very difficult season of plowing and if you love them, you'll take good notes for them, okay? But if you're in a really tough season right now of plowing, I really want you to lean in because I believe the God of the universe is literally going to deliver some mail into your mailbox, all right? Now, let me help you understand the difference between a stormy season and a plowing season because a couple months ago I preached on the stormy seasons of life and, and if you're taking notes, write this down. A stormy season is marked by chaos in scary conditions. Okay, so everything's crazy, there's a lot going on and, and it, it's just scary that there's things that are standing before you that, that bring fear. It's just, it's a hard season, but it's really more of chaotic and scary season. A plowing season is marked by crushing in difficult conditions. A plowing season is marked by crushing in difficult conditions. Now, we're gonna walk through six principles of plowing, but here's what you need to know before we jump into them. If you are right now, in fact, in the midst of a plowing season and you want to quit, you need to remember this, that in God's kingdom, Plowing always precedes promotion, okay? So you just remember that as we walk through this, all right? And let that motivate you to take really good notes, to think not about quitting, but God has you plowing because he's in the business of promoting good stewards who plow well in difficult fields. Here's the first principle we need to talk about. Plowing isn't a bad thing. Plowing isn't a bad thing. Too many of us see plowing like a curse. Even worse, many of us think that plowing is divine punishment. That when God's mad at you, he gives you something hard to do. That is not true at all. In fact, when you read through scripture, the more difficult the thing God asks you to do, the greater the compliment he's giving you. God is a perfect steward. So when he gives you a plow, a field to plow, he's actually giving you a divine compliment. Because he's saying, listen, I know you can take this really ugly, nasty, difficult field and make it a fruit-producing field for me, my glory, and my kingdom. Plowing isn't a bad thing at all. Now, in my opinion, there are four types of fields that we can receive. Here's the first. I call it pavement, okay? It's just straight concrete, and nothing is going to grow on concrete, all right? The next type of field, I would say, I would call it potential, okay? So it has a ton of potential, but it's gonna take an incredible amount of plowing. The third type of field is the already plowed field, okay? 
And the fourth type of field, I would call the plentiful field. It's already producing fruit. Now, let's just take a quick poll. If the God of the universe were in the business of coming to us and asking us which of the four types of fields we would like to receive from him, how many of us would say we would pick the plentiful field? Just put your hand up, okay? Put it up high, okay? Be honest, God is in the room. So if you lie, look out for lightning, okay? How many of us would actually say, give me the one that has potential that needs to be plowed? Okay, this is good. Like only a couple of us, we're being honest. That's good. Most of us would say, give me the the field that's already producing fruit, the plentiful field. And God says, "Uh, no, I'm sorry, that's not an option. Which of the other three would you like? And we say, well, give me the one that's already plowed. And listen, occasionally, God does give you a field that's already been plowed as a reward. But more often than not, what God does is he gives you a field that needs to be plowed as a responsibility with future reward to come. This is what he does. It's not divine punishment when God asks you to plow. Now, I want to show you Jeremiah 14, verse 4. I had never seen this before. I'm going to read out of the King James Version. So if you haven't read out of the King James Version, get your English accent and your head back, and we'll walk it through. Because the ground is chapped, chapped, because the ground is chapped, for there was no rain in the earth, the plowmen were ashamed. They covered their heads. Now, this word chapped is the Hebrew word hata, which means parched and, and scorched, incredibly dry. Okay, let me kind of help you understand what it's saying there, because out of the King James, it's a little hard. But the plowmen were ashamed because they couldn't do what they were supposed to do, plow. Why couldn't they do it? Because the ground was too hard. You can't plow concrete. So somebody needs to hear today, all right? Because you think when God asked you to plow, it was punishment. Anytime God gives you a field to plow, you need to know he's already made it rain. He has already made it rain in that field. He's not giving you a punishment going, you know what, you frustrate me. Just plow for the rest of eternity. No, no, no. When God asks you to plow, it's because God's going to give you the opportunity to sow And then he is going to bless you with the reward that comes with reaping. Here's how you really know plowing is not a bad thing. The more you plow, the more room there is to reap down the road. And anytime God asks you to plow, it's not because he's neglected the field. He's already prepared it with rain. God only asks you to plow good ground that will eventually produce much fruit. But between the fruit and today, there's a lot of plowing in between. Here's the second principle, and this is going to surprise some of you. It's going to sound really random. Second principle of plowing, never, ever plow with a donkey. Aren't you glad I didn't use the King James Version for this point? If I was feeling salty this morning, I would have. And I would have been quoting scripture. Never plow with a donkey. Some of you are thinking, this is the most random thing I've ever heard in church. It's actually the Bible. Let me show it to you. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 10. You must not plow with an ox and a donkey harnessed together. I told you the Bible covers everything. Like if the Bible talks about oxen and donkeys plowing together, it covers everything in life. Now, why is this important? Okay, one of the things I learned 
in the, the most difficult plowing season I've ever gone through, which was planting this church the first two years, here was one of the biggest things I learned about friends. In a plowing season, you don't need a hundred friends who will talk with you and have coffee with you. You need two or three friends on the harshest of days who will saddle up, get beneath the yoke, and help you plow your field. That's what you need. You don't need a hundred friends who will party with you. You need a couple of oxen who will plow with you. That is nasty, and that wasn't in my notes. You should write that down. Okay, listen. Why should we not plow with a donkey? Okay, I'll, I'll just bust chuck myself. Go back to when we were planning this church. I was really frustrated with the Lord. I was angry. It was taking too long. The plowing process was killing me. It was humiliating me. And I, I felt like I was dying on the vine. And one day after service, I got in my truck and I am just lambasting the Lord. I'm just laying into him. And I said, I don't understand. You know, th this is taking forever you know, let, let's just be done with this season and move to the next one. And I'll never forget, I felt the Holy Spirit say, Preston, you need to understand how plowing works. The first row is always the hardest one and takes the longest. And I felt like he gave me a picture. And it, it was before there were GPS tractors in the field. And it was the picture of a person in a field many, many hundreds of years ago. And he said, Preston, when, when a plowman would plow, he would catch a, an object in the distance and would line up with it. And because he didn't have GPS and because he wasn't driving a tractor trailer, he could only go two or three steps before he would look up and make sure he was still in line with the object off in the distance. And he would keep going two or three steps until he got to the end of the first line. Now, two things, Preston, I never want you to forget. First thing, I am the object off in the distance you are measuring everything by. And when I'm the object off in the distance, everything moves a little bit slower. But the second thing I don't ever want you to forget is the reason the first row takes so long is every row after runs parallel to the first. So think about this in marriage. The first year in marriage is one of the most important. Because each year, if you just let it go, it's going to run parallel to the first. Now, when we talk about plowing with donkeys, I want to show you visually how donkeys plow, okay? Remember, the picture of it like the Lord gave me was a straight line, him in the distance, two or three steps at a time, looking up, making sure it's a straight line. Okay, here's how donkeys plow. It's craziness. It's craziness. And here's what you need to know, because you might be thinking, well, how do I know I'm plowing with a donkey? Okay. Here's how you know, when things get hard, oxen get to work, donkeys want to watch. I'll show it to you in scripture. This is the Bible, people. Job 1 verse 14, random verse. But look, look at the picture. A messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. Okay, you don't need, when you're in a plowing season, you don't need people in your life for whom they think their greatest strength is their opinion. If their hands aren't in the dirt, you need to take a relational time out during the plowing season. Don't hitch your yoke to a donkey. You will regret it forever. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, I think I'm married to a donkey. <laughs> Different message, okay? 
<laughs> but I'll just say this. We can all be donkeys in some season and oxen in another season, okay? So we don't abandon the donkey when we're married to them, okay? Listen, this is a really important principle. Far too often when we get into plowing seasons, we look for people who will tell us what we want to hear. The number one way you spot a donkey in a plowing season is they tell you what you want to hear. The Bible says, do not plow with that person. Because the field you are plowing isn't yours, it's God's. You don't need their opinion, you need his. Third principle of plowing. This is going to seem really obvious, but it needs to be said. Plowing is hard. Plowing is really, really hard. When I sit down with church planners, I've kind of gotten a reputation uh, in regards to how I deal with them. And it's related to when I sit down with a church planner, I say the same thing every time. The first sentence out of my mouth is the same sentence to every church planner I sit down with. And here's the first sentence of the first paragraph. They'll come in, sit down in my office or at coffee or whatever, and and if it's husband and wife, I mean, they're like honeymooners all over again. This is going to be amazing. We're going to take over the earth for Jesus. And it's awesome. It's awesome. And you should feel that way because the God of the universe is with you. But when they sit down with me, here's how I start the conversation. This is going to be the worst thing you ever do in your life. It is going to be the hardest thing you ever do in your life. This is not a honeymoon. You're going to want to quit pretty much every day for the next couple of years. You're barely going to have enough money to make it. I know you raised all this money to start, but I promise you, he's going to take you to the very end of that money to prove a point. You don't need it. You need him. It's going to be horrible. And I just let it breathe. And and every time they say the same thing, gee, thanks for the encouragement press. And here's what I say next. If you go into this thinking it's going to be easy, then on the hardest of days, you're going to be tempted to quit. And I'd rather have you going in knowing it's going to be hard. One of the smartest things Pastor Robert did for me in getting me ready to plant is he told me, Preston, I wrote my letter of resignation several times, literally thought I was going insane some mornings. This is going to kill you but there's good news it's designed to. And so I tell church planners, hey, this plowing is gonna be so much harder than you think. That way, on the hardest and ugliest of days, they look and they just go, yeah, we knew it was gonna be hard. I do this with young couples too. They come into my office for premarital counseling and they're they're just lovey-dovey and everything's just awesome. And they think plowing is everything that happens before I do and reaping is everything that happens after. And I say, no, no, no. First session, they listen. This is going to be horrible. (laughs) Like awful. Like this is going to kill you. It's designed to. God designed marriage in part to suck out all of the selfishness. And if that doesn't work, he blesses you with something called children. (laughs) Why do I say it? I'm not trying to rain on their parade. They're going to be incredible and miraculous moments. But if you go into it thinking it's going to be easy, the first time the enemy punches you in the mouth, you'll be looking for somebody else to get married to. Can't happen like that. 
I'd rather us go in thinking, oh, plowing is hard. This is going to cost me my life. That way, on the hard days, we're not surprised and tempted to quit. Plowing is hard. And, and I promise, I, I really feel like there's somebody in this room and watching this online that you think that the reason plowing has been so hard is because something's wrong with you. And if there is nobody else listening to this message, I couldn't care less. You need to hear the God of the universe say to you, the reason plowing is so hard has nothing to do with you or your strength. This field is just bigger than you can wrap your mind around. It's not because you're weak. It's just because plowing is hard. And the harder plowing is, and you need to hear this, if you don't write any other one-liner down in this message, if you're in a plowing season, this is the one I want you to write down. Hard plowing is godly. Write this down, okay? I'm going to say it exactly the way he gave it to me. Doing hard things prepares you for big things. Doing hard things prepares you for big things. God is preparing you during this plowing. Don't give up on his work. Here's what Proverbs 20 verse 4 says about plowing being hard. He says, those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. What does that mean? If plowing were easy, the lazy wouldn't do it. The reason the lazy don't plow is because plowing is hard. So take it as a compliment. No matter how long your plowing season is lasting, no matter how hard it seems, no matter how close to quitting you feel you are, if you are still plowing, understand what you're doing is amazing and incredible. You haven't given up, no matter how hard it's gotten. Plowing is a difficult thing. It's designed to be. And if you go into it knowing that, you'll be less inclined to quit on the hardest of days. Here's the next principle of plowing. Plowing demands committed resolve. Plowing commands, demands committed resolve. Jesus in Luke 9 verse 62 said, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, understand, I'm aware of the context of this verse. I'm not just yanking a verse out of context. Okay? I understand the context. Jesus is talking about anybody who puts their hands to the plow as a follower of mine and looks back at evil and goes that way is not fit for the kingdom. I understand that's the context, but you need to understand he's also addressing a principle of plowing, that plowing demands committed resolve. It demands it. Okay, So what does that mean for us? Well, let me give you a word that we need to talk about that is really important in plowing seasons, options, options. One of the most dangerous things in a plowing season on the hardest of days is when we think we have other options. Now, one of the ways to keep from paying attention to other options, this is just advice if you're in a plowing season. This is what I tell church planners get off of social media in a plowing season. One of the most dangerous things you can do in a plowing season is get on social media and look at the pictures on Instagram of everybody else's reaping season. Let me just also say that those who portray being in a season of reaping aren't always reaping. Sometimes they're pretending. 
but the devil will use even their pretending to jack with you, okay? Because think about it, how many people actually take pictures and put them on social media of their worst day during plowing? No, no, no. They pick the best day of reaping and go, check me out. And what they really want is they want you to see what's behind them and how awesome it is. Okay, listen, when you're plowing and things are really hard, one of the worst things you can do is pay attention to what everybody else is doing. Don't worry about what they're doing. God's asked you to plow in this season. If you have to get off social media, get off. And here's another important thing to know about options in plowing seasons. Don't use other options as ultimatums with God. He won't respond to an ultimatum. I'll bust Chuck myself. There were a couple of moments in the first two years when I was planning this church where I was so frustrated with God that I literally said to him in my quiet time several mornings, it's not something I'm necessarily proud of at all, but it's just, we're just human. And I just, I threw this card out. Well, if this plowing season is going to go much longer, I'm going back to Dallas. Incidentally, that's how a child talks. When things get hard, I'm going to quit. I got a much better option back there, God. I, I was basically saying to him, you better end this plowing season right now or else. And I know God is sweet with all of you, but I'm pretty sure he was in my office that morning going, you're such an idiot. Person, I don't respond to ultimatums. And if you want to take the easy route by doing anything other than what I ask you to do that involves the plow in this field, then go ahead and try. But trust and believe you'll be miserable anywhere I haven't called you to be. So you keep your hand on that plow. Okay, listen, let's apply this to marriage. I've seen too many divorces happen as essentially an ultimatum with a spouse going, you know I have other options, right? Rather than keeping the hand on the plow and doing the hard work, they bow out and look for an already plowed field. And can I just give you a heads up that when you're in a tough plowing season in one field, any other field looks sexy. But trust and believe, when you get over there, that grass isn't green, it's been spray painted. The best field to be in is the field God has called you to, no matter how bad the plowing is. Plowing demands committed resolve. This is my field. It doesn't matter how many other fields there are and how much better they look right now. This is the field where God has me. This is the behavior and perspective we must have when things get harshest. Here's the next one, point number five. Plowing prepares you like nothing else can. Plowing prepares you like nothing else can. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this one-liner down. Easy does not prepare you for awesome. Everybody wants awesome. I go to ask, what's the dream? It gets easy to come up with a big dream in the kingdom. But don't we all kind of want the dream without the difficulty? Listen. Easy never prepares you for awesome. Difficulty oftentimes is the best way to prepare to steward the dream God has for you. 
It prepares you like nothing else. Now, I want to show you in 1 Kings chapter 19. When we think about in the Old Testament, men or women of God who are at like the top of the list of hearing God's voice and delivering the word of God, Elijah has to be towards the top of the list, right? And in 1 Kings 19, God has just told Elijah, I've chosen your successor, and I want you to go find him and tell him he is to be your successor. 1 Kings 19, verse 19. As we pick this up, Elijah is doing what God said, and I want you to see what his successor, Elisha, is doing when he finds him. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. So Elijah departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. Now, some of you are in counseling because you don't think your parents love you. You would know your parents actually don't love you if they named you Shaphat, okay? So things are better than you think they are. He found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was doing what? Plowing. He was not just plowing, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, 24 oxen, and he was with the 12th, and Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him, and there he became Elijah's successor. Listen to me. What was he doing when God promoted him? He was plowing, and he wasn't just plowing. He had 24 oxen. Can you imagine how big the rocks in the soil had to have been to need 24 oxen and not two? This was a gnarly field. Some theologians believe he he just came from a wealthy family. That's just wasteful. I believe there were some big rocks and nasty briars. 24 oxen. He was plowing in the field. Listen to me closely especially if you are in a plowing season and deep down you feel God has called you to some significant things that will expand the boundaries of his kingdom. The only way you are going to experience promotion in his kingdom when the time is right is if you steward what goes down during the plowing season of your life. And here's what I would say. I think on the earth, most human beings measure a man or a woman by the size of their barns and what comes in during the harvest. But with all of my heart, I believe this is how God measures a man or a woman. What is your behavior during the plowing season? I don't care, Preston, how big your barn is. I want to know, how do you behave in the harshest of conditions on the most difficult of days with the plow in your hand expanding my kingdom? Son, that's one of the biggest ways I measure you and what kind of a man you are. Plowing prepares you like nothing else can. Okay, so then why do we fight it? (laughs) If if plowing prepares you better than anything else can, why do we take it like it's punishment? Why don't we get more excited when God gives us a field that demands plowing? Why don't we start celebrating doing the rain dance then? Why must we wait to see the fruit? Listen. Listen. This plowing season of your life was divinely planned. And if you'll be faithful and plow this field, and incidentally, understand, you do realize if you get after it in a season of plowing, you can make the season of plowing shorter. The field has a specific size. That brings us to the last point principle of plowing. Plowing doesn't last forever. 
plowing doesn't last forever. And if you're here and your world is being rocked because the season has lasted longer than you ever imagined it would, it's not just a storm. You're plowing in a storm. And you feel like it should have been over by now. You need to hear plowing doesn't last forever. I'll show it to you in scripture. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 24. Such a sweet couple of verses God puts in his word. Does a farmer always plow and never sow? Is he forever cultivating the soil and never planting? Does he not finally plant his seeds? The black cumin, the cumin, the wheat, the barley, and emmer wheat, each in its proper way and each in its proper place. What is God saying? Plowing doesn't last forever. It has a designed purpose. And maybe you're in a plowing season with one of your children. And it's wearing you out and you're frustrated. And your two other children are easy compared to this one. Here's what concerns me about that perspective. Every single one of us goes through different seasons in life. And one of those children may be in a plowing season down the road. But here's what happens. If we resent plowing and we're in a situation like that, we begin to resent the child that causes us to plow more than the others. Because we expected it to be easy. Forgetting the fact that when God gives you a field to plow, it's like a kiss on the forehead and he's saying, I know you can take this ugly, nasty, harsh field and do something fruitful with it. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy that God's punishing you. God's blessing you. And if you're here today and you're ready to quit, in this moment, right here, right now, I don't want him to take it the wrong way, but I don't care about anybody else in this room. I just care about you. You're ready to quit. I'm done. You came to church today and said, I'm, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. This is exhausting. It's humiliating. I can't do it anymore. I want you just to look around. Look around this room. If that's you, you just look around. I remember days in the first two years, the first year of planning this church. We were in an 850 seat room had 67 people in the room. I've never done anything harder, more humiliating in my entire life. I can't tell you how many days I wanted to quit, to just bounce, to give up. I didn't understand what God was doing. Look around. If I would have quit, you wouldn't be here in this moment with the God of the universe who is looking you in the face saying, don't quit, don't quit. You can't see what's ahead. I'm going to bless you in ways you can't wrap your mind around, but in order to reap that harvest, you've got to keep plowing, you have to. This isn't a self-help message. You have to understand that. We are in the business, the kingdom business of expanding the kingdom of God. And you cannot take new ground without plowing. And what a tragedy would it be to have a church, any church, who was more about obtaining property, inheriting property, 
than going into dark places and plowing the nastiest of grounds. Listen to me closely if you're ready to quit. Jesus made one of the most amazing statements for you and for me in moments where we want to quit because the plowing is killing us. He said, come to me all who are heavy, exhausted, beat down, ready to quit, come to me and I will give you rest. Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you understand if you're here and you're ready to quit because the plowing is more than you can handle, do you understand what Jesus is saying? He's saying, hey, I know you got a couple of great friends who are oxen in your life, but you know what I'd love more than anything? If you let me be an ox for you. I'll put that yoke on my neck and we will plow this field together, you and me. And our Father's kingdom is going to get the glory. Our heavenly Father will get all of the glory. We can't quit. So don't. Let him help you. This too shall pass. The fruit will come if you refuse to quit while you plow. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.